Hello, and welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. On this episode, we are going to talk mini-movies, just like the title implies. <laughs> On this episode, we're continuing our going back 10 years and 20 years and 30 years, which uh, we've done the 30 years with 1990, and now we're going back 20 years to the year 2000. Ah, what a year, Dakota. <laughs> Yeah, we've already hit the golden years. I guess it's on to the, the <laughs> bronze years. I wouldn't necessarily award, award this year the uh, silver. I think this year is maybe, we were kind of looking and like, maybe this year gets like a participation trophy overall. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some good ones in there, but maybe just a green ribbon. <laughs> conflict diamonds. That's what this, that's what this year <laughs> deserves. Conflict diamonds. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, yeah, so the year 2000, uh, this was a year that I think maybe there's, maybe there's a lot of promise just because 99 was such a big year, which in fact, Dakota, you've talked about that year. Oh, yes. Uh, we've talked about it quite extensively just because so many iconic movies and movies that kind of maybe showed what the future of movies could be and would be going forward. But then we come to the year 2000. (laughs) And like I said, I don't know. This was what I was noticing is when we did the 1990 year, there weren't that many like standout comedies. You know, we were kind of bringing that up. And I think it's because now it just seems like we're inundated with comedies. And here I look and I'm like, is this where it started? Because we had in 2000 scary movie the first one meet the parents the first one bring it on the first one miss congeniality the first one you know big mama's house the first one it was all these movies that were okay or terrible <laughs> you know mostly terrible comedies that got a bunch of sequels well, it's kind of, oh, man, this is around the time when originality in Hollywood kind of just died. And I think that's what made this year seem seem so bleak in a way, because 99 gave a lot of hope that there was originality. You know, we were seeing, like, people trying new things, and we're like, oh, man, this new millennium that's coming is going to be... <laughs> and granted, we are getting there. There has been uh, things that have pushed a little bit more, but it definitely wasn't this year so much. <laughs> yeah this was uh one of those years where you know it, it is so weird looking back on things uh the movies that were hits that probably should have gotten sequels sure were were never made absolutely but like big mama's house like that was such such a hit like you know we needed to follow up yeah it was such a hit that they even went on to make a continuation where Martin Lawrence wasn't even the one in the fat suit. It was like yeah. his, it was like his movie character's son. It was like, yeah, I mean, that's how far it's gone. <laughs> yeah. And it's, just, uh, it's like, and there's, there's one movie that came out this year that I feel like just kind of started, started, a kind of this, uh, horror movie wise like let's just take like a 
a somewhat interesting concept and make a movie about it like, as quick as we can, cash in on it, and then make a crappy sequel. And well, that's Final Destination. Yeah, Final Destination. Because then, when did the sequ- When did Final Destination two come out? Was it in oh one or was it oh two? No, it was. I think it was a few years later because Ellie Lauder looked like um, in the second one. She had obviously gained a lot more popularity, and she didn't kind of look as. Um, oh, there was more focus on her character than it seemed like anyone else in the. Well, she was one of the few that survived. <laughs> Yeah. So. Devin character survived. They just killed his character in the kind of beginning of the movie. In the yeah. Scene. Yeah. That was kind of the final destination, I feel like. It was kind of the beginning of the end of his career, really. You don't really see him in much anymore. Hey, there was that movie that uh, Fred Durst made uh, last year that he was in with John Travolta. What was that? Oh, I forget the <laughs> name of it. It was it was one of those movies that was really bad, but people wanted to talk about it because it was well, it was something new, and it was from Fred Durst. Wow. Well, that's good. He's still getting jobs, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, we had all those things going on, which kind of started accidental franchises that nobody really asked for. <laughs> uh. But there are a few diamonds in the rough in here, I will say. Uh, one that one that I would like to bring up is Chicken Run. This movie is excellent. <laughs> uh, it first off just shows the wonderful uh, art form of stop motion at its finest. And it also is kind of a parody of the great escape which i think is great because when you think about the demographic chicken run was made for it was not made for kids who would even know what the great escape was <laughs> but it also allowed it to be a smart enough movie where parents and adults can enjoy it too and uh and you have the the american chicken that shows up in this british hen hen yard voiced by mel gibson <laughs> In one of his few animated movie voice roles. Because uh, I think the one he did before this was... He was John Smith and Pocahontas. And is that about it for him as far as animated movies? Yeah, I think it is. Probably. But, oh man, Chicken Run. That's a that's a good one. I, I highly recommend that one. <laughs> yeah, this was kind of the year where his... Uh, kind of signaled the uh, decline of his career. Because... He had uh, What Women Want, and I think that was it, basically. Because that movie, even though, you know, I I never cared for it. it But it was a huge hit. Yeah. It was like a huge hit. And he was kind of, this was kind of the year his star started to rise a little bit, because then the next year he would have had We Were Soldiers, that Vietnam movie, and then he would have been in, like, Signs. And then he was kind of on this rise where he was doing kind of some hit movies again. And then he did Passion of the Christ, which, of course, was a hit movie, but it sent him into a bad place, (laughs) so to speak. Uh, But, yeah. Uh, But another one we got to talk about from this year, Dakota, is this was back when Bruce Willis was still trying (laughs) and not phoning it in in his movies. And he did 
one of my favorite movies, Unbreakable. You know, one that's one of the gems of his career, though. I mean, like I, I'm not, I'm not saying I hope he dies soon, but when he passes, it's like it's gonna be this Die Hard and well, what else is there? <laughs> what else does he have? Uh, I mean, I guess there's other things people enjoy him in, but I mean, those are probably his two biggest known or like because i mean like people like him in pulp fiction i guess and and uh and stuff like that but yeah it it wouldn't be shocking if like this is one like whenever he dies and they do the in memoriam thing (laughs) like this is one that comes up for sure uh six cents i guess would be the other one that he's really yeah kind of which is kind of interesting because Sixth Sense came out in 99 and Unbreakable came out the very next year and they were both M. Night Shyamalan starring Bruce Willis. <laughs> so, you know, and there's been talk of them doing a movie again together. One that once Shyamalan's trying to get made that Bruce Willis is planning to star in uh, that I think is supposed to be a little bit more of a drama with supernatural things, but I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, the other big diamond in the rough from this year would be Gladiator. This movie was huge. I don't know how else to say it. It was just huge. Yeah. It, it made all of the money, and it won Best Picture for sure. Uh, did Did Russell Crowe win for actor? He did. I couldn't. Re- I always forget that one for some reason. But obviously, those were the two big uh, awards it won. Oh, I'm with. Well, didn't Ridley Scott win for director? Yeah, that, and that's. Did he? He probably did, because I don't know what else. Would have did win uh, an Academy Award, and it was it would have been in the 2000s. It probably uh, was this one, because when you look sure- at some. Yeah, it must have been. It sure wasn't for Prometheus or anything like that, or Hannibal. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of the other movies from this year, and it, I mean, obviously it wasn't the Coen brothers, although they did have a movie come out this year, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Which I actually find to be one of their more watchable movies. I enjoy Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty great movie. Um, Oddly enough, they took inspiration from The Odyssey. Oh, very much. Yeah, when you... This movie, I mean it. I mean it doesn't even pretend it. It tells you flat out it's the Odyssey. <laughs> you know that's exactly what it is. I mean, there's even a Cyclops in it. <laughs> in yeah. the version of a man with one, like with an eye patch. <laughs> yeah, this movie. Oh man, I remember the soundtrack was everywhere the year it came out. Like you could not. Like, you MTV was even share, uh, showing the. Uh... Yeah. Man of Constant (laughs) Sorrow music video. I will admit, I have this soundtrack. Really? Yes. I was was a big fan of... uh, I like... I'm not a country person, but I enjoy that bluegrass type music where I feel like this was a little more of that bluegrass. And uh, so, yeah, I did enjoy uh, the music from this movie. I feel like the Coen brothers... That must be something they're very passionate about because I feel like all their movies they really seem to work on 
how the music is done. And you can really tell that it seems like even a few of their movies have like a real like gospel type influence or, you know, like where you could tell that must have been the kind of music they grew up with. Because you kind of feel that in some of their other movies too. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, brother. Now let's see what else we got. We got X Men. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> the movie that started it all for the X Men. The movie that started it. Well, yes. Now it's interesting that kind of looking at this because the X Men animated series is still very extremely beloved. And, I mean, I watched it, but not enough where, you know, at the time when this came out, it wasn't like that anime series was like my life or something like some people. <laughs> but I would imagine going into this movie, there was a lot of people who were fans of the anime series that were probably really disappointed in this movie. Because <laughs> this, I... this movie had none of the color. <laughs> uh Oh, yeah, it's, you know, I always viewed it as it got the ball rolling, and, you know, what makes me sad is, <laughs> like, like everything kind of culminated in Days of Future Past at the very end, like, we were seeing the X-Men, like, I think is the way Brian Singer kind of, kind of envisioned him when he started making these. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, you, you saw Rogue, and uh, Cyclops is leading the team, and uh, you know, just uh, just Colossus was there, and you know, every everyone's favorite was there, and it's just like that's how it ended. Um, and I I'd always hoped they would get to there, especially considering how great the second one was. Um, and yeah, I just I just kept I I, I envisioned each movie kind of picking up steam and. You know, we even see uh, see more uh, more mutants like the cool ones from the cartoon because I was in love with the cartoon. But yeah, it just things things got bad once once Brian Singer left and they continued to just spiral downward. Yeah, and part of me wonders even if Brian Singer would have stayed on. I mean, we're hearing more and more stories about him where he seems like a really sporadic he's not a great leader is what you hear about how his film sets are and uh you know he'll he'll show up late and just sometimes was disorganized you hear these stories and so it's like that glimpse we see at the end of days of future past yeah maybe that's where his vision was but would he have really ever gotten it there anyway even if would x-men 3 have looked really that much different <laughs> you know if he would have still been at the helm you know it's it's weird to hear you say that because he was actually he put together superman returns like incredibly fast um i think that maybe that was his passion project he's like oh i'm doing a superman movie that you know it's in, it's in the same universe that the donner movies Yeah, and what was the same with X-Men 3? X-Men 3 came together really fast, too, where there wasn't a whole lot of time for that one. Uh, But, yeah, I don't... 
like I said, I don't know. It's just like you just hear, a lot, like I said, a lot of stories about his. He seems committed one day and not the other, and then that's when a lot of the questions start to rise about his private life, as far as like drugs and just all that stuff. But yeah, but I but the thing is, you were, let's get back to I guess when you talk about the ball rolling. This got the ball rolling not just with X Men either. I mean, this was kind of what this was kind of the the uh, litmus test for just a lot of other studios who had superhero movies they were considering, but weren't sure quite how to do it. And they're like, "Oh, people are kind of because this movie was a decent hit." You know, when it came out, even though it was maybe not the best in the in the series, where it, it's kind of what got Spider Man to happen when it did, and then I think Christopher Nolan has even pointed to this movie when he said it's kind of what got him to be on board when he was approached about Batman, and when because he, he was kind of like we realized it could work. This was when he realized. A superhero movie could be interesting, I guess. You know, because I think what X Men had mostly go- going for it the best this one was its act like its leads with Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, and Hugh Jackman, especially. Those three leads really got you invested in this movie, even if there were other things that you were, didn't care for as much. I don't know, don't you think, Dakota? Oh, I thought they were all great. Um, I thought Patrick Stewart was spot on as Professor X. I thought he fit the character perfectly. Yeah. I thought Ian McKellen did too. I really liked the way he kind of did Magneto where he was villainous, but like there was still enough to him where you kind of understood him too. (laughs) Something that I think Fassbender was good at kind of doing too a little bit when he inherited the role. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it's maybe a lukewarm movie in some ways, but like you said, X-Men two is a great movie. (laughs) You know, just, just to kind of put things in perspective, I never, I never thought in a million years, this movie would lead to something like dark Phoenix being made. It just, you know, that's, that's how optimistic I was, or even X Men Origins, or Dark Phoenix being made twice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just oh, I feel like it had so much potential. Potential, and it's like, how did? It's you know, one just kind of wonders like what exactly happened. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I think this was kind of in that era when that one guy was running Fox. Was it Tom? What was his oh, name? the guy who. Tom Rathman or Tom Rothman? Yeah. Wasn't he running at this time and he kind of was all over the place. That's why Fox had kind of weird had weird decisions made at points. <laughs> yeah, he's at Sony now and that's uh some people have kind of blamed him for that uh all female led Ghostbusters movie being the way it was. Oh. Sure. Let's but uh prob- Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh. Nothing, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to move on, but I'm, so if you have something more to say, it's fine. Oh, nothing. Nope, not at all. <laughs> I was just kind of looking here. What do you? Where are you on Castaway? That's one where I 
I kind of like that movie. Um, I like it. It's just, eh, I don't know. It, when when you look back on the movie, it's just like there's. It seems like there's only like a handful of scenes that you really, you really fondly remember. Sure. Um, the movie just kind of ended and in a bizarre way and it's how do you end a movie like that like maybe it should have ended like when him and helen hunt kind of had their scene and he's talking to his friend out of that maybe it should have ended there yeah maybe i remember oh good lord after this movie came out just (laughs) people would not stop just screaming wilson randomly oh my gosh yeah yeah i remember even uh Oh, gal, a few years after this movie, there was an Owen Wilson-led movie called Behind Enemy Lines, which some of you may remember. It had Owen Wilson and Gene Hackman. And I remember they kick a football off of an aircraft carrier, and you see it floating in the water, and they scream Wilson in that movie. And it was just like, oh, here we go. It's even starting to show up. Because I was even trying to remember, I was like, I think that movie was supposed to take place in 1995 or something. <laughs> so, like, it doesn't even make any sense, but it was directed yeah. by John Moore, who did our favorite Die Hard movie, Die Hard 5, and uh, and Max yeah. Payne and things like that. So he wasn't really thinking about that maybe too hard. <laughs> yeah, from what I remember, it was supposed to take place during the, the Kosovo War, which happened when Bill Clinton was president. Yeah, like I think it was supposed to be like 95. Maybe that movie was supposed to be, but... Yeah. Uh, it's weird. I, I do remember that movie was written by... Uh, oh, what are the names? I, I just always call them the Thomas Brothers, but they're the ones that wrote the script for uh, the original Predator. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and... Behind Enemy Lines was supposed to be a little bit of a prestige movie when it came out, and it isn't bad. I mean, it's a little cheesy now, but it was like, you just, it's one of those movies where you watch, you're like, boy, this could have been a whole lot better. <laughs> and uh, But I think it, part of it is just like, when you look at the movies that that director has done, he's just, it's kind of how all of his movies are, like, well, this could have been better. <laughs> yeah, and... Oh man, those last kind of the last few movies Gene Hackman did, and this sounds bad, but I think the the one where I really liked him was The Replacements, and everything else he was just so bland. It's like, why is he even in this? You love Welcome to Mooseport, and you know it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I know what you mean. Though he kind of had a he kind of went out like a like a wet fart, <laughs> so. Uh, let's see. What else do we got here? Snatch. Where you at with Snatch, Dakota? Um, you know, this is, uh, man, uh, my, uh, I kind of have ups and downs with Guy Ritchie movies. <laughs> um, yeah. But... Sure, let's, let's pause there a second. Speaking of, cause you liked King Arthur, right? I did. <laughs> I'm going to admit to you. I'm okay with it too. So we're on the same page there. <laughs> uh, I mean, I understand. I, I, it's completely understandable that it bombed, but it's not as bad as people say. <laughs> but anyway, I know what you mean about Guy Ritchie, but sorry, go on. I completely lost my train of thought, but no, I just, this one I think works just because of who they have acting in it. Like you got Brad Pitt playing that 
gypsy Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> the only way I could describe him. Um, you know, Jason Statham in this is, I think, hysterical. Uh, Vinny Jones. Vinny Jones, I loved in this. And sure. Probably still my favorite movie of his, even after... You know, even after his amazing performance in X3. <laughs> uh, what is Vinnie Jones' deal? Because acting wasn't his first thing, right? Wasn't he? Um, he was, a well, they call what they refer to as football uh, is what he was in. Yeah. He was like a soccer or football player. And he got involved in acting. Because, I don't know. I think it was one of those things where people just... Uh, thought he was one of those larger-than-life people that needed to be on screen. Yeah. Well, and, he's kind of a... He has a big personality. A <laughs> uh, little, little tidbit about Vinny Jones. He was actually arrested in South Dakota for beating up a guy. Yeah. Yes, he was. <laughs> like, what was that? Like, not even that super long ago. Oh, I think it was about eight years ago, seven years ago. Maybe? Yeah, maybe something like that. <laughs> so, if, if you're out there... <laughs> Uh, what it was like getting knocked out by a living legend, I guess. I, I'm guessing it couldn't have felt good. I mean, this guy was a European soccer player. I'm guessing he probably gave you it. You know, that's, that's the thing about European soccer players. Not known for having uh, very muscular arms. <laughs> yeah. Me, I might. But, I mean, he's not. it's not like he's... But he's a UK guy. Those UK guys are usually pretty... What's the word? Scrappy. I guess would be the only word I can think of to describe it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, Jason, this was kind of what put Jason Statham on the map a little bit, at least in America, wasn't it? Yeah, which is which is interesting because he's such a total weenie in this movie. <laughs> Just totally spineless. Well, not completely spineless, but. Um... Yeah, I know what you mean, though, considering his next movie would be The Transporter. And then he just became like the cool guy ever since. So to where he's basically a superhero by the time Hobbs and Shaw came out. <laughs> I mean, let's admit it. Him and The Rock are basically superheroes in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, I will admit it. This snatch is one of the bright spots of this year. But yeah, and that's what and that's what I guess what we're kind of looking at right now is there are some there are bright spots. It's just that it's just a weird year. As far, but that's what makes it kind of interesting. Because then you have, I don't know, there's the Aaron Brockovich. That was a big deal, I guess. So there you go. There was that. Uh, Meet the Parents. That was a huge deal. Oh, my gosh. Did you like that at the time? Oh, no. I I thought it was completely overhyped. It kind of was. It's kind of one of those, though, where you, when you see it, you're kind of like, well, I get why people like this but did it need two more movies no no it didn't <laughs> it very much didn't yeah oh here's my here's my favorite this is probably my favorite movie that has doves oh god mission impossible 2 <laughs> there are so many doves in this movie <laughs> and slow mo Oh, uh, this is the weirdest Mission Impossible entry, by far. You know, I just I just think back to the trailer for this, and it was just, <laughs> it's just, 
it left you feeling with like, oh, this is gonna be just just action packed. Yeah, just, just, just beginning to end. Yeah. And it came out, and it's like, what are we watching? Like, oh man, it made after seeing this. It, I wish I could go to the uh, the original actors from the Mission Impossible TV show and like, what did you think of this? Because you know their reactions were going to be priceless. It was just like a weird, bizarre love triangle, and then they tried to do the whole thing that every movie was doing at this time with the whole biological weapon angle and i don't know and then of course it was the it had to have that motorcycle chase that tom cruise loves to do (laughs) i have a theory as to why movies started doing that whole oh biological terror might get in the hands of terrorists beavis and butthead did that (laughs) and everybody loved that movie because it was so much fun And everyone's like, we got to copy Beavis and Butthead. Who knew? Yeah, well, maybe. You never know. The weirdest things end up being inspirations. Oh, man. Well, that's enough of Mission Impossible 2. Speaking of inspiration, Remember the Titans came out this year. Uh, yes. Still pretty good. I'm not going to lie. That's still a pretty good movie. Yeah. It... I don't feel like I was... Yeah, I was never really into this movie, and I just, I don't know why. Well, I mean, you know, as much as uh, X-Men kind of kicked off the superhero movies, you know, just carrying forward to all we have now, I feel like even though there were True Story sports movies before this, remember the Titans started this trend of, how we get so many of them now, you know, where it's like, I mean, think about it. Once as we came out, how many more there were and everyone was like the best since remember the Titans. Yeah. You know, you always heard that or, or that one wasn't quite as good as remember the Titans, you know? (laughs) So even though we all know miracles, the best one. So just going to say it. So (laughs) yeah. I was never really a fan of kind of the sports movie. I guess Rocky's kind of far as far as it went for me, but sure. Hoosers, Hoosers I was just completely, no, nope, it was fine, but I didn't think it was one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. And some of the ones I like, the reason I like it has nothing to do with the sport part, you know, like miracle being my favorite one. It was more like, the story, D2, the Mighty Ducks. The story behind everything was interesting. Yeah, D two, the Mighty Ducks. It was really more about Bombay getting caught up and selling out. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and even and even Hoosiers. It was kind of more about Gene Hackman's character kind of redeeming himself after having a certain situation happen at a different school and things like that, but. The best ones kind of always have kind of that transcendence angle. And I guess Remember the Titans is that way too, which is probably why it was like the best to a lot of people because it was more about, oh, this school had to learn to integrate and and work together yeah. and things like that. You know, I will take that back. I, I thought Coach Carter was pretty good, but apparently I'm in the minority. Yeah. You're not the only person I've heard say that. Uh that movie does have people who really stick up for it. 
I don't know. I, I, it was one I just totally missed out on, but you're not the first person who's been like, you know what, I really like Coach Carter. <laughs> Maybe it's because it was, I don't know, Samuel L. Jackson, but he let it. And then it, it's just not about the coach, too. You, know, you, get, you really get a you get a feeling for the players, and you kind of start to sympathize with them. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But, like, like I, I, I tend to think, like, maybe if you're going to do a sports league, that's kind of how it should be. Like, like, not maybe put, like, a focus on the coach so much. Like, because like, when, I, when I think if you're going to do that, then you might as well, like, do something like Patton where you're just like, oh, man, this dude's just, like, charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> You'd go knock the knock the socks off the other team just for the coach, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, here's, here's one traffic. Steven Soderbergh's drug epic. Um, once again, uh, I feel like this movie was just way overhyped. Uh, uh, isn't this the movie that kind of, you know, Benicio del Toro was kind of around forever, but isn't this the movie that like, uh, kind of put him on the map where it is. This and guy it's, is so good. And I think a lot of it is that he's easily the best thing about this movie. <laughs> I mean, he's the he's the main one you like, the main one you're kind of rooting for in a lot of ways. Yeah, because after this movie it would have been like when he started getting more starring roles. You know, like The Hunted and things like that. So, yeah. But it was I mean, it part of what helped to get hyped was just the fact that it was another Soderbergh movie, and people just have always loved him since he got since he started. And so, and there was some interesting ideas in this movie, but overall, it's kind of a, it's kind of all over the place <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think you you had to kind of be living through the times, uh, like kind of like in your thirties, to really appreciate this movie. Yeah, maybe. Because some people, some people were citing this movie like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't know like the drug situation was that bad." It's like, uh, like, well, let me tell you, I'm not involved in it. I can tell you, it's bad. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that. Which, in a related note, I once saw um, a meme, and it was a picture of a Nintendo GameCube. Okay. And it said, "If you grew up playing this, you grew up during one of the worst drug pandemics." in human history <laughs> <laughs> and i just i laughed so hard i wonder i should have tagged you in it but i was like no nah, i'll save that one for later uh, two years later here we are here we are <laughs> better late than never right oh man that's <laughs> that's funny oh all right moving on moving on here what do we got oh pitch black how do you feel about the rick movies <laughs> Uh, you know, I, the second one I admired just because it had so much just insanity going on in it. Yeah. That was Chronicles of Riddick, right? Yes. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta give them props for just going for it. I mean, they just went, went full big scope. (laughs) Yeah. This one, it just, it seemed kind of look at, you know, you look back at it now and it seems like such it seems like a sci-fi movie, like something that was on the sci-fi channel. Well, and wasn't the movie produced by USA? 
Oh, I think so. Like, I think so it kind of, in a way, was just an elevated TV movie in certain ways. Yeah, it was, I remember um, after this movie, people were looking at Vin Diesel like he was the new Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I was just kind of like, well, he was okay. Yeah. And in some ways, he's, if you look at just box office success, he's probably bigger than Arnold now. Just, oh, just oh, because yeah. of what he's done as a producer with the uh, Furious movies. You know, let alone anything else he does, which isn't too much these days. But, yeah, this yeah. definitely this definitely was the beginning of his star going up. I didn't... I didn't even really hear about this movie until it was, uh, yeah, people are going to laugh at me, but it was on VHS. And me and my brother went to uh, rent a movie, and he was just losing his mind. He's like, oh, my gosh, it's out. We got to rent this. And I was just like, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. I sat, I sat through it, and it's funny because it, the main character is actually uh, played by, what's her name, uh, Rana Mitchell? Yeah. Yep. But people completely forget she was even in that movie. She kind of has that tendency because she's also in a a few years later, she was in the movie Reign of Fire. Oh, yeah. She's like the helicopter pilot. Isn't that her that's in there? No. Never mind. It wasn't Rodon Mitchell. It was another woman who was in things. See, I'm already forgetting. (laughs) But, you know, I I thought she did. She held up pretty well. I mean, but. It's just the main focus was on Riddick. Right. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, he got his own spinoff movie. Yep. Two of them, actually. Two of them. And an animated show or animated you know, movie and then a video game. It was kind of, they tried to make it a whole thing. Actually, it was two video games and the last one was pretty great. I'm just, yep, putting my stamp on it. <laughs> <laughs> Who did the video games? What company? Oh, I don't even remember, but it was uh, it's kind of a unique game in that you didn't get you didn't you weren't able to actually use any weapons until like later on. Oh, so interesting. You had, to, you had to kind of rely on stealth. And, Just surviving, huh? Yeah, and your mitts—that's all you had. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll yeah, we'll move on here. I mean, what are we moving on to? Here we go. <laughs> oh. More mediocrity. Yeah, miscongeniality. Oh boy! Yeah, we'll move it on. Was good. It was, <laughs> it was good seeing William Shatner in in something. Uh, I guess it gave us that great joke everybody likes to use every April. Oh, God. Where? <laughs> what's your favorite? <laughs> what's your ideal day or whatever? <laughs> ideal date, and then she's oh April whatever. Yeah, not, not too hot. hot. <laughs> Just a light jacket. Uh, when that's what, the best what, joke from your movie, <laughs> it gave William Shatner a good moment. So yeah, you know one thing I don't like about this era of movies it's when they were they had an incredibly attractive woman who's come off as kind of a loser and unattractive. Then they they just like give her put makeup on her and do her hair and it's like she's the hottest thing ever it's like oh my gosh yeah it's it's silly because it's like even before she was just supposed to leave like the tough as nails it's like well she was still a she was still a pretty woman you know <laughs> it's like you can't fool me that bad <laughs> 
So, yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind of silly. Uh, let's see here. The Patriot with Mel Gibson. All right, movie of the year right here. The Patriot? Yes. Or as we like to call it back then, Braveheart 2, Men in Pants. <laughs> that is the best. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How did I never think about that? <laughs> Wasn't this even written by Randall Wallace? No. Oh, I, I no. Swear. You do you know who did this movie? Um, Roland Emmerich. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yes, but I think it was written by oh one of those guys who like to do more historical movies like this. But somehow Emmerich got attached to direct it. I don't know how because he's German. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow this movie in its own weird melodramatic way is a good time. Uh, Jason Isaacs is great as the, the villainous British Colonel you love to hate, (laughs) uh, which he goes on to play, uh, Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies, which you love to hate him there too. So (laughs) it's what he's, what he's good at. Um, yeah, Heath Ledger's very famously in this. Uh, yeah, he does a good job as kind of that that oldest son in that oldest son role. But yeah, I really enjoy this movie, even though it is a little maybe like like I said, it's a little melodramatic. Um. Oh, what's the actor that was the uh, the British general? Oh, uh, Wilkinson. Yeah, Tom Wilkinson. This yeah. put him on the map. I remember him. Good for him. Yeah, and uh God, that one Vanessa Redgrave's daughter, Jolie oh, Richardson, she yeah. plays like the the aunt who becomes Mel Gibson's flame in this movie. <laughs> you know, uh one of the kind of man this movie would just made you wanna just made you wanna grab a musket and re- rebel against the British Empire. But... Yeah. Maybe you just wanna grab a flag and start stabbing people like he did. <laughs> But, oh my gosh, Braveheart 2 Men in Pants. That's probably... Yeah, uh... I remember when this... This movie does have some really intense scenes, though. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. The I mean... Where he's, uh, he's avenging his dead son. Holy oh my cow. gosh. And he makes his two young sons be snipers. <laughs> basically. And it's... I mean, it goes from being intense to emotional... And, oh my gosh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you're kind of seeing a little, like, the Revolutionary War play out just from one man's perspective, and of course this wasn't a true story either, but uh, just kind of a a really decent movie that honestly probably shouldn't have been. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that was a good one. One of my favorite parts in this movie is uh, Rene Arbor-Jean-Law. Uh, from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, he plays a uh, he, he plays a minister. Yes, he's shown joining up with them, and they're they're surprised he's going. And he makes he says it's one line. He's like sometimes, uh, oh, you might know the line. He God, says, uh, "Butcher it." I it's a, it is a great line. I'm going to butcher it too. But it was it was something in the vein of, you know, they were like, "Why are you going?" And he said, "Sometimes the the shepherd has to fight off wolves." Or he's, you know, he says something in that vein, or you know, like they like to protect the sheep, and uh, 
yeah, that was a cool moment there with with him going and and then he ends up being a being a hero. So but yeah. Yeah, that was a good movie. Uh <laughs> Okay, you ready, Dakota? <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, lay it on me. Battlefield Earth. <laughs> oh. So we go over one of the best movies of the year to one of the worst. Oh All right. man. <laughs> what what it first off, what is this? You know, I'm I'm gonna come out and just say it. I tried to read some of L. Ron Hubbard's work and I just I couldn't do it. It's I got the feeling that whoever wrote this was a madman under the uh, under the influence of hard drugs. Well, for one of those things I know is for sure a, a true fact. He is a madman. But and somehow was... and somehow this movie shows what Scientology is somehow. Cause are they supposed to be like the advancement of humans? I don't what is going on in this movie? I don't know. <laughs> um I forget who was the lead in this, Barry Pepper? Barry Pepper was like the one of the people that was still like kind of dumb and simple. Yeah, one of the, yeah, one of the humans. And then John Travolta uh, was like, you know, obviously he was famously the weird. There, there is so much weird things in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, God. such a great title was wasted on such a horrible movie. Can we just call this something else? I know because it does have this title that makes you seem like it's a very different movie. I think we can all just feel a sense of relief that Barry Pepper still has Saving Private Ryan and We Were Soldiers <laughs> to fall back on his great movies he was in. <laughs> uh, as well as, he does, he's been in a few other things too that I've liked, but oh man. Yeah, I mostly remember him from that uh, the Showtime, uh, the HBO movie they made about uh, uh, oh, what was that his name? Uh, Roger Maris? And Broke oh Paper. yeah, 61. Yeah, That was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, and Thomas Jane, him and Thomas Jane played. Uh, he was Roger Maris, and Thomas Jane was uh, Mickey Mantle. Yeah, great movie. Yeah, Very... B- Billy Crystal did that movie. Yeah, him and his love of the Knicks are, uh, wow, I just said the Knicks. <laughs> well, he loves baseball. <laughs> I know that. I don't know about the Knicks. but He probably does. He's just in love with New York. Come on. That's true. What wasn't he? What was that movie where he played a referee? Oh, uh, forget yeah, Paris or something. <laughs> something like that. Oh, here we go. Here's another intro. This is here's, here's another weird future science fiction movie that came out this year. Titan AE. You know, I actually like this. Do you? I, uh, I and vaguely I like remember it. seeing it. <laughs> I like it mostly because the animation was, was really good. Yeah. Um, then it almost kind of seemed like it almost seems like a video game where you, you just got this ragtag group of people they they bind together and there's an evil almost unbeatable space aliens that are out to kill them and yeah that was just uh, it definitely to... was an ambitious movie i think bull 
Bill Pullman did one of the voices in there. Yeah, Matt Damon, I think, was the yeah. lead guy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Bill yeah. Pullman. That's right. I think you're. Right. It was intriguing because it's uh, you know Earth gets destroyed by these aliens and uh, uh, Earth humans have nowhere to go, so they kind of just stay in these spaceships and they're uh, they're considered like the trash of the galaxy. And I was that always intrigued me. I was like, oh man, things ain't looking good for the human race. <laughs> Let's at least hope we put aside our <laughs> yeah our racist our racist and bigotry. Uh, racism and bigotry at least oh man but yeah that was a really ambitious movie it just didn't quite hit the mark for a lot of people it didn't seem like with how it went over yeah well i think the uh the thing that didn't help it is this is around that time when uh, i think people were more excited for uh the kind of digital cartoons that were coming out or the yeah the toy stories things like that yeah it could be, and I, I, I uh, maybe they marketed this movie wrong because it was almost more for adults than it was for kids. That's true, yeah, because it was kind of, yeah, that could be a case too where, like, the filmmakers maybe had different attention to who it was for than how the marketing team sold it. Yeah, because that does happen with other movies. I mean, Batman Returns, famously, <laughs> so. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the Beach. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I think, okay, we brought it up. We can move on. <laughs> you know, I'm sensing I'm sensing a pattern. There's just nothing but overhyped movies on there. Yeah, definitely overhyped. Well, between Leonardo DiCaprio and Danny Boyle, yeah, it was pretty overhyped. Yeah, uh, now, here's one that was pretty hyped. I'm curious where you're at with it. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Ah, uh, yes. Um, you know, I thought at the time, the visual, the visuals of this movie were great. Um, yeah. I really didn't get the subtlety of it, though. There's some very subtle scenes where things are going on. Oh, sure, yeah. I just, you know, because uh, I watched this much later, um, actually not that long ago, and it's just, you know, there's uh, hints of it. But at the same time, uh, people were kind of treating this as the Matrix. Like yeah. It was, it was that big of a movie. And I just, I was like, yeah, it's, it's good. But I don't think it's. It was supposed to be it, like, this is China's answer to the Matrix kind of thing or something. Yeah. I didn't think it was exactly like game changing. Like, oh, this is completely revolutionizing every, everything. But Yeah. It kind of gave America, though, Chow Young-Fat and Michelle Yeoh, which uh, they've both done some some stuff here in America. And we've squandered their talents. Let's we have, it. in a lot of ways. I mean, Bulletproof Monk, come on. <laughs> he's, uh, he's better than that. <laughs> Star Trek Discovery. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, yeah, and then, of course, another kind of import movie that got big was battle royale which was kind of like a more violent hunger games (laughs) yeah um before hunger games (laughs) i don't know i really don't know what to say about this movie yeah Um, i mean there's not there's not i mean it's okay i guess um if you're a fan of dystopian 
kind of bleak movies, this is, I think you'd really like this, but um, I didn't even realize that uh, one of the, the main actresses in this was in Kill Bill, until somebody pointed it out years later. Oh, really? Yeah. The, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but it's the girl that uses, like, the whatever you call that thing on the chain. <laughs> oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a movie that I really enjoy that kind of was pretty mixed, even though I think it was a moderate hit that came out this year was U571. Oh, okay. It's another one of those, like, you know, this one took place during World War II, but it wasn't a true story, but it was kind of like, um, in honor of the men who fought in these these types of situations. Um, but it kind of also was my introduction to Matthew McConaughey, was U571. I hadn't really seen him in anything before that. Because I saw U571 when it was pretty new on video, which would have been, you know, in this year, 2000. And uh, I was like, God, I kind of like that guy. And then I loved Reign of Fire, which he was in a few years later. <laughs> Which is just a crazy dragon movie that's actually awesome. Yeah, I I remember being kind of let down by this movie because the trailer for it made everything look like, oh, this is going to be like an action-packed kind of thrill ride. Yeah, and it's more of a tense movie. Yeah. More than action-packed, kind of a tense submarine thrilly, thriller type movie. Yeah, uh, this is around that time when it seemed like World War II movies were just getting made uh, because Saving Private Ryan had done so well. Yeah, it was easier to get the green light from the studio if you had a World War II idea <laughs> because of Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> like Enemy at the Gates. We had that one come out too, which that was a true story. This That movie butchered the story. So, <laughs> uh, I remember really liking that movie, but it probably hasn't aged well. I just remember... It aged... It's aged pretty rough, and once you read the true story of Vasily Zaitsev, that movie's pretty bad. <laughs> here's a, here's an interesting one. I thought this movie was older than this. Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, good lord. That came out in 2000. Doesn't that seem like it was older than that? Oh, isn't Thora Birch in that? Yeah, looks like it. Like, and Jeremy Irons. <laughs> they just throw him in everything fantasy related, don't they? They do. They do. Well, my only <laughs> my only knowledge of this movie is actual D and D players hated it. That's that's yeah. all I that's all I know about it. <laughs> Marlon Wayans is what I remember the most because he was so miscast in this movie. There's a Wayans in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's interesting. But I'm still wrapping my head around that this came out in 2000. So. <laughs> the really horrible CGI, uh, yeah, just makes it look older than it is. Yeah, it has a, on IMDb, I, I had to look this one up, it has a 3.6 out of 10. Oh, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 10%. It was made for 35 and made 33 million so it didn't even break even especially if you figure in probably a little bit of advertising 
but it was just more shock that that I, I mean I just assumed that was like a 90s movie <laughs> so um, another movie that was kind of a big deal when, this year when it came out was Space Cowboys oh yeah that came out in 2000 which was where all the old guys have to go back to space for I'm trying to remember the reason um, from what I remember, one of the characters, uh, you find out that, uh, the Russians stole his design for a satellite or something. Yeah, that, I think it is something like that. It has to do with, like, a satellite thing. And, like, the big reveal is once they're in space that the Russians, like, hid nukes on this satellite, and that's why they don't want it crashing into the Earth. <laughs> yeah, I know it turns into a whole big thing, and then there's a sacrifice and all that good stuff that happens in movies. <laughs> But I just remember when that came out, it was like a big deal. Because it was like all these old guys were going to be in the movie together. James Garner and Tommy Lee Jones and Clint Eastwood, of course, because he directed it. And uh, uh, Donald Sutherland? Yeah, he yeah. was on this. I, wasn't James James Cromwell? Probably. He was Somebody's... probably he probably worked for NASA or something. Because <laughs> he had the four main guys, and then there was like the... the... The military guy who, like, even in the flashback that started off the movie, he was a giant, just a giant a-hole. <laughs> that seems like a Cromwell role. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you... It was so weird. Uh, the other, Our other favorite movie came out this year, uh, Hollow Man. Which is uh, appropriate to talk about again now that there's been another Invisible Man movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, this movie was one that they really were trying to get people to think it was going to be a big deal. They pushed oh, They pushed this movie hard. <laughs> wasn't this actually a hit though? It might have made its money back, but it seemed like it just kind of disappeared quick. Um I remember the the kind of marketing material for this uh led everyone to believe that uh, Elizabeth Shue was kind of the main character and then you find out she wasn't. Because I'm trying, isn't like Brolin's in this movie? Oh, here we go, here we go. The budget was 95 million, and it made 190. So, it did okay. Yeah, it did. I guess it did do okay. I remember this. This is the movie that started off those stupid conversations, like, "Oh, if you you were invisible, what'd you do?" Yeah. They people try to put like a really bad twist on it, like, "Oh, go." Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, spy on my neighbors, <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, it's like I'd sneak into a bank and uh, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, it was one of those movies. And it was like one of the few times like Kevin Bacon was playing just a complete sociopath, which I think he had only done a couple times before. Yeah, and then he kind of made it a thing for a while. So looking over other movies of this year, I mean, you had your What Lies Beneath. Your little Nikki, you know, pay it forward. I mean, it was just kind of, I think it's safe to say that we can complain about movies now, but I think it was probably better, a lot of years, or at least a little better than this one was. <laughs> yeah. Where you, we like only books. got, we only really got a handful of memorable movies that we still would like to watch. 
Yeah, I don't think a lot of people saw pay it forward, but oh, I remember everyone saying, "Oh, you got to pay it forward." It's like, no, you don't. People like, still hey. say that social media brought oh, back wow. that term. And, and then I think the from what I remember, the movie just seemed depressing for like to get kind of people to watch it. And uh, just... yeah, it's a kind of a depressing movie that ends super depressing, but they try to pass it off as like happy. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was quote unquote meant to be inspirational. It's like who are you trying to inspire with this? <laughs> Bullies? I don't know. <laughs> uh yeah, and so I mean there's just just a lot of random things. So I think it's safe to say that you know, probably what would our highlights be? Uh Unbreakable Gladiator for me, I don't know about you, but Chicken Run. It was okay. And then, uh, yeah, well, you did mention that you uh, think highly of, uh, what did you say, Titan AE? Yeah. So would you give that one maybe, like, people to check it out? Do you think that's one that's worth I, checking? Let's say you had never seen it. Do you think this is a movie that somebody <laughs> might still like now? Yeah, if you're into sci-fi, it's definitely worth checking yeah, out. Yeah, probably. Um, I think Drew Barrymore is like the place. Yes, that's who it was. I was trying to remember who the girl voice was. It was yeah. Drew Barrymore. Yeah, um, her, and Matt, her and Matt Damon play off each other pretty well. It's just yeah, it's you know it's 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 a one and done story. Like they didn't. I think they they realized oh there's not going to be sequels, so it's just it's a fun little romp. Fun it's little crazy. romp. Yeah, and I guess for me like. Oh, the Patriot. That was the other one we realized yeah. was a good one from this year. So I would say, yeah, if you're into like maybe historical movies or historical action movies, and somehow miss that one, that's a one that's worthy to check out. And you get to see a early Heath Ledger role, where yeah, he's not I... the star, but he's still a really solid supporting actor. Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember What Lies Beneath mostly because uh, you know there's that. There's one scene in there that got everybody talking, but I I thought the movie was kind of boring. And then wasn't that the movie that kind of made people notice Naomi Watts? I don't remember. All I remember about that movie is it's really boring for like a huge twist. <laughs> and then the huge are... and then the huge twist is actually kind of obvious when you think about it a second. <laughs> yeah, it's. You know, M Night Shyamalan wouldn't have been a thing, but it's like, were they were they trying to? Because out out Shyamalan. <laughs> well, I mean, know? it would have made sense because Sixth Sense would have been a year before, yeah. and so it would make sense that somebody would try to capitalize on that pretty quick. You yeah. know, to try to be kind of the next big thing, because the you know that kind of became really the curse of Shyamalan for a while is what's the twist going to be? And then it became, I'm sick of his twists and yeah, that old thing. Yeah. Somebody should have told him he didn't, he didn't have to have a twist in every movie, which I think took him a while to learn. Yeah. Yeah. But so I would say, but speaking of Shyamalan, Unbreakable is definitely probably at the top of my list for his best movie. So if you haven't seen that one, that's worth checking out way more than glass. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's, Oh man, it sucks because you know you have Unbreakable, then you have Split, and it's like they culminate in Glass, and it's just yeah, 
Yeah, because Split is still an, is is a good movie too. Just Glass didn't quite pull it off, <laughs> but it was an interesting experiment. Yeah, sorry that maybe this one seems a little more lackluster, <laughs> but as we were like talking about, this is like this was kind of a lackluster year. <laughs> Nothing really too shining. I mean, uh, like like I said, there were just those few really strong movies in the midst of a bunch of poop. <laughs> So, yeah, it's because it's safe to say Meet the Parents, Scary Movie, What Lies Beneath, Final Destination. They really, none of those really hold up. (laughs) You know what's sad? Bring it on, doesn't hold up. The the very first scary movie is probably the fun, the only one that has any sort of genuine humor in it. The rest are all just garbage. Yeah, but it's kind of one of those things that those are made to be so in the moment with their comedy that even though maybe you could argue, Oh, that's the best one that really isn't saying much for how good it still is. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of, uh, I think a lot of younger guys kind of went to that movie just because Shannon Elizabeth was in it too. I mean, Oh, sure. Yeah. Coming off her American pie fame. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Could be. But with that, oh. keep heart, people, for <laughs> because uh, maybe the what we can learn here is that you can have an off year, but good things are still we're still to come. We, you, you know, we 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 still weren't there, with, and and that's what we can say maybe about right now is is we're going through a rough patch, but we just got to keep hope. And it'll pass. <laughs> so, uh, but with that, I think we'll just kind of bring this one to a close. We thank you for thank you for listening. Hopefully, you uh, found something in there <laughs> worth holding your attention to the end. <laughs> oh man, this is, I don't know. Is this why does this seem so disappointing? <laughs> I think it's because we're realizing this was just kind of a sad year. Oh man. It's... So, yeah. You know, you know it's. <laughs> Here, here's my thing, you know, when people are young and they're, uh, they're kind of getting into movies, like, you know, uh, uh, this around the time I would have been like, do you think there's people out there? Like some of the movies we just trashed is, do they actually hold these up or, well, you know, but I think what's interesting though, is we would have been right in the middle of our teenage years this year. And then if you think about some of these movies, at the time, I did really like Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> and, you know, I used to think Meet the Parents was pretty funny. And, but these are, they just, but I think the lesson here we're learning is that with maturity, you gain perspective <laughs> <laughs> and wisdom. And you shed the things of the past of your childish. <laughs> And I, and I think and I think maybe we can use it as a cautionary tale for our younger viewers <laughs> to be to be smarter in the decisions you make. <laughs> it's just here's the thing, like okay, scary movie, big deal. Uh, Final Destination, big deal. But like, who is who exactly is going to fight and die on these hills? <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, even like my favorite movies of of this year. 
I don't know if I'd be willing to like, yeah, fight, you know, like die on that hill. <laughs> you know. Oh man, it's just is is it because two thousand? Uh, wow, I almost said two thousand nine. Uh, is it because nineteen ninety nine was just so good? Like all the good ideas were taken. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that's the thing is like you like like I was saying, you have your off years, and maybe this one was just a little bit more the off year. So, oh man, they put all of their stock into. You know, what would be interesting is maybe we should break the trend and come back and do two thousand one, and <laughs> and see if that was any better. I almost feel like we need to now. <laughs> you know, here's here's what's difficult right now. If we had to make a top ten list of movies from two thousand, I'd, I'd cut it down to three. Be like, bam, here's your three. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to look at 2001 quick. Yep, Dakota, you know what? I can already tell you 2001's better. Oh, good. Let me guess. Something came out right away that just kind of... Well, you had the beginning of Harry Potter. Oh. Okay. Which, even if you think the first one is maybe like a little kidsy now, those are that's a great franchise. You had Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. You had hey, Monsters, hey. Inc. So, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me, let me get this straight. You had Warner Brothers... <laughs> And New Line kick off two two completely different franchises in the same year. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Both in that fantasy realm too. That's what's kind of cool is like fantasy really started taking off. Uh, but like I said, then you had Monsters Inc., which was a great Pixar movie. Uh, Black Hawk Down. So even the historical movies were getting better. Let's see, we have, well, Hannibal, <laughs> Mummy Returns, those ones weren't so good. Um, trying to find some, Princess Diaries was a big hit, I guess. Uh, but I would say even with just like, just thinking in terms of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and Lord of the Rings and Monsters, Inc. and Training Day... Uh, and Shrek. I don't really like Shrek, but oh, oh, come on! Man. You already have a little bit more of a solid year, though. <laughs> in Black Hawk Down, well, and, and a Knight's Tale. A Knight's Tale came out. That's a fun oh, movie yeah. with Heath Ledger. So I would say, yeah, I would say 2001 hit the stride a little bit more <laughs> than. Uh... Okay, here's here's the real question: Was it? That they had more, was it that they had more uh, better movies, or was it just the fact that the year wasn't late and it was just horrible, horrible crap? Well, that might have been so, but at the same time, I will tell you, here's what else came out in 2001. Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Oh, God. Pootie Tang. Oh, <laughs> uh, Pearl Harbor. Oh, Ghosts of Mars, uh, Jurassic Park 3, Jeepers Creepers. And so, I mean, there still were like, mm. but but 2001 started the Fast and the Furious franchise. (laughs) So, yeah, and Jeepers Creepers, I guess people do like that one. So, Uh, yes, Spirited Away came out in 2001. Oh, which. And so, I mean, yeah, maybe it was just, like I said, I think maybe you just can't have all your great ones come out in the same year. And so, 
Things just kind of flip and flop uh, a little bit. But I think we can say, here's your example, people, that remember there's always hope. We're in 2020 now, and people are thinking it's pretty bleak right now. <laughs> Have hope. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, with that, I think we'll bring this one to a close. Um, again, thank you for listening. And remember, you can always find us in all those places, uh, especially Facebook, iTunes, uh, YouTube, any podcast place. So we hope you do that. And we um, will catch you next time. So this is Steven. This is Dakota. Take it easy.